Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Landlubbers. Now, we've given the wizard boy a day off, and the reason for that is because some things just can't be handled by these people who like to go about with staffs and wands and stuff like that, especially when you're talking about the act of piracy, the act of going about an island and taking pretty things that don't belong for you, usually kind of digging them out of chests. Now, if you work hard enough, you might become a legend. If you work far enough, you might become a sea of legends. Or other words that begin with C. So I'm speaking to two other people who begin with the word C. I introduce you to of the most despicable men you'll ever meet. I've got. Now here's a man who once, when he was swimming in the water, dropped a fart so big that he blew a blue whale straight out onto an island. It's Ryan Gusty Shapples. And joining him, I've got a man who doesn't know the meaning of the word fear. Well, there's quite a few words he doesn't know the meaning of. He's a man who cut off his leg so he could win an arse-kicking contest. <laughs> I bring you It's Zach We'll do anything for a biscuit, wise man. How are you doing, you scurvy knave? Say good morning, you scum. Wow, that was the most accurate description of us uh, ever given. So thank, thank you very much for that. You will watch your mouth when you're talking to me, young man. <laughs> no, I feel like I'm on. missing a We've biscuit. Got a kick. It's <laughs> you're not getting a biscuit until you've actually done some work here, Mr. Wiseman, sir. <laughs> So, if you'd like to talk about, first of all, what we'd like to do is we're not all nasty here on Pirate pirate Wizard Radio. We do like to find out a little bit more about where you came from. So, if you could maybe start with the better looking one between the two of you, I'll let you decide. If you can tell us a little bit about how you met. I'll let you go, Zach. <laughs> I like how that wasn't even a competition. You're just like... <laughs> um, yeah, because it makes me so- seem more polite and more likable. That's my secret strategy in this interview. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so we actually met at Hairbrain Schemes uh, working on Golem Arcano uh, way back when, um, which is uh, another app-based uh, miniatures game that uh, Hairbrain Schemes put out. It was one of the, the one of the first app-based board games out there. Uh Despite it having a lot of great things about it, it uh, had a short-lived uh, career. And after that, I moved to uh, Clippy Games, and Ryan had uh, his own a little. Wait, uh, wait. We also. Wait. Uh, I want to. I want to. <laughs> 
interject here. How can you forget? Yeah. We also sort of started making an RPG together, and that kind of didn't really pan out. Uh, but yeah. that was that was a fun project to work on as well, where we were we were fleshing out that world and going back and forth, trying to create all these different factions and kingdoms uh, for for back in the day for your your noble house. Uh, oh yeah, game company. So. <laughs> And when you first met, was there some kind of synergy? Were you like two octopi kind of meeting in the middle of the sea and you went one colour and he went the other colour and then you both settled on a shade of kind of slightly pinkish grey and then you went, we can possibly work together. And did you decide to grow the beards together at the same time? I I think (laughs) Ryan grew his beard because he was jealous of mine is what happened. (laughs) Uh, I'm saying there is some fine work in there. I, I don't know if you uh, if you've grown that all yourself or you've just stole it off the carcasses of the enemies that you've defeated in your lovely design journey. It's it's actually Johnny Depp's uh, back hair. I used it after he uh, grew the. We raft. don't mention that man here. We don't mention that man. <laughs> I'm here. just glad he you didn't say Mark. He took the pirate name and he made it. He made a mockery with his moustache. No, he doesn't have a moustache. With his hair and his eyes. And he's a way to make a franchise that ultimately died a death, like Davy Jones Locker itself. But anyway, <clears throat> where did the idea for Sea of Legends come up? Were you just sitting about on the ship going, I'm sick of getting this treasure and being landlubbers and uh, doing my business, I fancy going and doing something a bit different with myself. Um, so, Sea of Legends actually came kind of in a roundabout way. It started with uh, Jordan Wiseman wanting to do something with the Heroclix dial, or Mage Knight dial for those people that have a really long memory. Um, since he had designed that dial a long time ago, but the patent has just run out. So, he was like, we could do you know a whole new cool pirate game with it, and we would use the dial to represent how drunk the pirates are. Because I don't mm-hmm. know if you know about this, but pirates are actually really mild-mannered when they're sober. And, yes. and they get much more wild as they get drunker. And so... We were angry drinkers. <laughs> we were angry drinkers. Yes. And so we were going to use the dial to represent the, the, the level of drunkenness of the different characters on the table. Um, and as fun of an idea that was, the game didn't translate to be as fun. Uh, and... Part of that was because it didn't feel very much like what you would hope a pirate game to feel like. So we really, at that point, were all on board of trying to be as much of a pirate game as we can get. Uh, and we just had to find the mechanics that, that suited the pirate narrative we wanted to tell. To to add to that real quick, I feel like I should point out Jordan, by the way, your father, uh, and also one of the members of our team helping us out as a design contributor. And where where is he? Where's the senior man tonight? Is he out up the ship's dog? Or is he out in the pub? Is he, you know, being a scallywag as usual? I heard he likes to go about just creating trouble. Is this correct? He's that is a pretty accurate description, creating trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, just general mayhem. <laughs> He's a master. <laughs> I heard that he took a ship once so far up port that it smashed most of that port, destroying it, and then he stood there, got drunk, and he fought anyone who came up to try and give him a row. Is that true? Only, only the destroying the the port part. He <laughs> he lost the drunken fights, but he's not in the most optimal shape. And <laughs> he got too many splinters destroying the port, so that really set him back. <laughs> 
this is descending into madness. But anyway, <laughs> as you were saying, you were talking about the captain of the ship himself. Um, Jordan himself, what was he actually saying to it? What was his involvement in this uh, in this ballad? So, as I said, uh, he was the one that suggested doing pirate stuff initially. And then he helped uh, with a lot of the initial invest, like capital investment. Um, yeah. And he's been doing a lot of playtesting. Where his knowledge has really come in use is on the app side, because neither me and Ryan have actually programmed an app before. So he helped get that all all put together and, you know, all, all the like technical things that were just a little bit above our head. So is he bringing, when you're talking about the 50 years, because I've yeah. read your blurb, I'm going to read it just now. A man, if, I might need help with the bigger words. <laughs> you just sound them out. T- just sound them out. Break them into little pieces. You're, you're t- <laughs> you watch your mouth, son. <laughs> I can make a nice little smile with me hook hand so I can't. <laughs> It's not very good for picking me nose, by the way. I've had to watch that a couple of times, but let me just see. About the team, it says that you have together over 50 years experience in tabletop. So I'm guessing that it's Mr. Jordan Wiseman who has most of the experience and that you're just kind of, I guess, kind of riding his shirt tails to glory. Is that true? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean... To be fair, they're very long, short coattails. So we're, we're mostly up there. You could probably <laughs> it's, fit it's, on it's a lot to catch up on. Um, Mr. Shapples, how many, how many years have you had an experience in board games? I mean, have you even played a board game? Are you just lying? <laughs> are we going to have to, you know, are we going to have to keel haul you for the nonsense that's coming out your mouth? Uh, like sir? Candyland counts, right? I think it's time to finish the show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, but but in all honesty, um, yeah, it's yes. like I've been yes. working in games now as uh, primarily as a writer and a narrative designer for oh my gosh, I think my first so my first official gig was 2013. So it's been like seven years now um, working on various narrative focused projects from tabletop RPGs, no. Golem Arcana. I worked on a game called Weave, which is an app integrated RPG, as well as uh, mm. serving, uh, serving, uh, gladly, <laughs> gladly uh, working as a narrative designer on Battletech, Battletech for all three of the expansions uh, before wow. joining wow. this project. Um, and so, like, to be to be completely fair, it's like no, no doubt Jordan's got all all the experience, and that's like one of the best parts about working with yeah. him is he's a, he's also a really great mentor for us to have on the team. And what about you, Zach? What have you got to humble brag about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been in the industry 12 years. Um, My first game I published way back when with uh, Clypey Games uh, Hmm. called Gotham. When you were in high school, After that. What? When you were in high school, too. Well, I designed the game in high school, but the game didn't actually get published until I was in college because there was a backlog they were working through. but uh, then we went to, uh, well, obviously game design college, and then I worked on the first uh, <laughs> uh, Shadowrun Returns I-, I worked on, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And after Shadowrun, uh, I moved over to the, the Golem team, uh, where me and Ryan first got our real jobs together, or first yeah. real jobs, you know, with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I uh, went uh, back to work with Clypey Games as their in-house designer for a few years. And we uh, 
I just left that job to to start this one. So, when you're working together, mm-hmm. is there a chance that you have a little disagreement now and again? And if you do have a disagreement now and again, how do you sort it out? What I'm asking is generally, who could beat the other one up in a fight? <laughs> Yeah, we usually, like, try to just throw, like, daggers at each other, and, like, you take one step closer every time you miss, and then whoever gets the the dagger, you know, pierces them first, uh, usually loses. Is that what happened to your eye, then? (laughs) (laughs) I thought thought it healed up. We we actually created an in-house version of Mumbly Peg, except for, instead of using both our hands, we just both play on Ryan's hand, so I generally win. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to see these hands, that's why they're off camera. And it's a fine, it's a fine hook you've got there as well. Um, what um, what first gave you the idea to kind of go for Sea of Legends? Because with you having as much experience as you do, riding on the shirt, the shirt and coattails of your father, not you, the other one. <laughs> but <laughs> were you tempted to go down the fantasy line, the RPG line? I mean, what made you settle on the fabulous Caribbean and the pirates and? you know, everyone like us. So that's actually, that's a really great question because something I wanted to add to earlier, Zach, you were talking about, you know, how it started primarily as a minis game. And that was Mm. actually part of the problem is like we wanted there to be, uh, or you guys did even before I was on board, wanted there to be more swashbuckling adventure. And so that's really where the narrative portion of the game comes into play uh, in terms of our development is like wanted the board and the cards and building your tableau to be this great sort of, uh, you know, engaging strategic tactical gameplay. But then also we wanted players to be experiencing these sort of adventures. Remember from uh, not that Johnny Depp movie, but other great pirate movies and uh, Secret of Monkey Island, uh, Captain Blood. Capture that feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so did you go in for it with a from a, a laugh, laugh, ha, ha, rum, rum, slap a bum kind of angle? Or were you going from a quite serious kind of introspective, I'm thinking mutiny on the bounty kind of look? Or were you kind of going for a proper kind of hee-haw, epic blockbuster Mr. Depp kind of look instead? It's, so, it's kind of somewhere in between, I would say. Yeah, go ahead, Zach. Yeah. So I think originally one of the things that really drew us to the genre is all those like classic Earl Flynn movies. And so where it's kind of in, in that in between where it is very lighthearted and fun, but it is also kind of that epic, you know, I mean, it was the epics of the day. Right. Um, and as we kind of started writing stories, some of them got a little bit more serious. Uh, but our goal is to try to keep it very lighthearted and fun. Yeah, so there's there's a range, and like to go back to one of your your earlier questions, that only sort of half answered. So I'm gonna just keep half answering them. And uh, when we were thinking about the world, and- <laughs> I've only got one leg, <laughs> so you know everything's done in half. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so like you know when we're thinking about the world and the magic that we're infusing into the history, you know it's not a completely historically historically accurate world. You know there are undead conquistadors, there are ancient uh, Aztec. Uh, style merfolk um, there are there are demons there are water elementals there are true witches um, there are harpies of a kind uh, more related to indigenous myths um, but you know bringing all these different factors into the game you know gave us some material where we did want to be more epic more serious but then also bring in those lighthearted, uh 
tones and styles when we can, and especially in the adventures you go on with your lover and nemesis. So you kind of have, you know, your sort of main mm. golden path, the the story that brings you into collision with all the powers and forces in the world and, and shapes the world. And then also, you know, your... Uh, you know, your lover might say, hey, I really want to join an underground pirate dueling ring and become the champion. And you're like, well, we, we got to make that happen, right? In one way or another, you're going to try to fulfill their goals and you're going to try to take down your nemesis. And uh, that's where things can get a little wacky and weird, too. That's what happened to my last partner. They <laughs> left me for a an underground pirate dueling ring as well. So uh, I'm having a little bit of a sniff to myself, if you don't mind. Sorry, just a bit, we'll take just a moment. a little bit sad. It's okay, I'll be fine in a second anyway. Um, are you you going back to the minis? Because minis are really important. It's mm-hmm. like almost like having barnacles on the bottom of your boat or, every, or everybody playing Strip Off Tuesday. Um... um. Uh, did you include the? Did you ever get the the thought about not including minis in the game? Because that's kind of like a real treasure. If I, in the day, I'll give you a story. Okay, in the day, whenever I run out of crew, what I would do is I would go down the local dock to the pub, and I would have a table out, and I would arrange glorious clumps of minis on tables, and then. If word spread out, then all the backers would come in and you could snare them and you could fill a ship within an evening. Was that how you felt you were going to be doing it? Is that why you introduced minis into the game? Or is it just part of a a more intelligent strategy that I just can't grasp? I really Um, want to hear Zach's answer to this. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. I. (laughs) So... We've included a bunch of different minis because we kind of felt like the game called for it. Um, so I don't know how much you've seen uh, of our you know, game so far, but each uh, time you play, you're going to play with two enemy factions. And we mm-hmm. wanted to show the different kind of strength levels of the enemies. So each enemy faction has kind of like underlings, which are your typical like 32 millimeter figures. And yeah. Uh, kind of a big boss kind of super scary bad guy that is three times their height um wow and uh when you pull out one of those big miniatures and put it on the board you can sense the atmosphere in the room almost change because that that big figure really changes the entire game state of the board um because one uh one of the other things that they do is there's a chance that each of their enemy or npc factions can win and so when they put out their big boss figure, they're getting closer to winning. So they're, you know, a new central point of the board. And the the big figure definitely helps uh, identify that or symbolize that change of state. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It's a physical manifestation of like the game escalating. Um, that That's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um. Are you not tempted in these nowadays to kind of help yourself cut costs by producing, like, standees? Did you ever consider that? Because I'm looking at the art just now through my good eye. <laughs> and it it's not too bad. I've got a couple of tattoos which are quite similar. One on my leg and one on my other. Well, not there. I can't show you that one. But, um, you know, the art is fantastic looking. It's clean. It's crisp. It's lovely. It's 
wonderful. Did you ever think about saying, well, actually, if we did standees instead, we could still encapture the look and the feel? But was it the fact that you wanted this physical minifift, manifest big thing in the middle of the board? Yeah, First, I think yeah. the just the, the, the feeling of having the big thing on the board was really important to us to, to help hmm. really pull you into the, the, I guess, story of the game. Uh, mo- almost everything we've done in this game has really been about the narrative of the game and really pull- pulling you into being a pirate. Um, did you have anything else to add? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, just like on a personal level, you know, we're trying to, obviously, we want to make a game that everyone, you know, hopefully likes. But I think it starts with saying, hey, what do I like? What appeals to me? And like, you know, not just making it all about mm. yourself. But I think something that I kept coming back to is just remembering the first time that I saw Rising Sun on the table. And I was just like, I will, I have to get this game because of the minis. And like, I don't even care about anything else. But then Rising Sun is also an incredible, amazing game, like about placing bets and, and being really strategic. And it's it's not what you expect. Um, and so for me, it's like that kind of, that magic of when you first see a game and you just want it, like you just can't resist it. I think that's, that's part of what we wanted to do is create something that felt like that, that recreated that moment. Often when you go out in the sea, your reputation is an important thing. There's no point you turning up with your boat. If people just go, you're who the what? Because then what you have to do is you've got to kill everybody on board and potentially eat some of them, which is never a good thing. Because I'm still carrying a little bit of holiday weight from the last time we turned all a bit cannibal. So my question to you is, in order to um, gain a reputation across the seven seas so that people are aware of your Sea of Legends, how have you gone about marketing the game? And has it been an has it been a different a different endeavor from what you've been used to? Because obviously, uh. your good self, you know, Ryan, you've been involved in the, the, you know, you've been involved in the right and side of things. Zach, you've been involved in just growing really good facial hair. <laughs> so true. In terms of getting the word out there, flying your flag, and folk recognizing who you are, has that been a little bit of an adventure in itself? It has. We've eaten three reviewers so far, and yet. Our uh, legacy has not spread, so clearly you're giving bad advice here. Um, yeah, seriously though, it's probably it is probably like our our biggest challenge is like we're experienced in making games, um, yeah. but this is definitely yeah. like the new part to us is like you're like oh yeah, how do you let people know these games uh, exist? And so you know, obviously that's why we're here for you to make us a star. Um, so that's that's greatly appreciated that you're making us famous today by being on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere, I'm telling you. <laughs> but you might make me parrot jealous, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and we don't want that, do we? Yes, what I find is it's all very well going about and being kind of monstrous and terrible if people don't know that you're monstrous and terrible. What's the point? Yeah. So I want... I, I would like to see your monstrous and terrible faces to see how monstrous you could be. So, Zach, if you can show me your monstrous and terrible face so that everybody can see how monstrous and terrible you could be. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I tried. That's pretty monstrous for me. And what about you, Ryan? Yeah. 
See, now there's a man who's got a face that only his mother would love. And only if you can tie bones to it so the dog would chase you down the street. Isn't that absolutely fantastic? But people are always asking, right? When you're going into battle, you have a battle plan. When you're going to sea, you have a navigation type of map. When you're going to play a game, you're going to have some rules to abide with. So if I'm sitting with me sea of legends in front of me, what kind of game, what kind of round am I going to play? If I'm playing a round, what am I going to be doing on that round? And does it involve the little metal doggy that you move around with a dice and do you pass go and collect 200? Because that's me favourite. <laughs> Only on a good round. <laughs> <laughs> then tell us then, Zach. Come on. So, uh, Sea of Legends is a um, sandbox game. So you have a plethora of options that you can do in front of you. Oh, plethora. Um, plethora. <laughs> we got our big words today. <laughs> he must be using the big word toilet paper. <laughs> he got as far as a P, I can see. <laughs> no, I just watched Three Amigos recently. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, Ryan's still laughing, bro. Sorry, I'll be interrupting you. Come on, um, S- professional face, serious, professional face. No fun, guys. So, just pitch the um, game. <laughs> yeah. So every turn, you're gonna take your your miniature and decide. Hey, I want to visit the tavern, or I want to mm-hmm. go attack that monster, or I want to go on one of these various adventures. And so every turn, right. you're kind of doing a, a simple move and then an action. Uh, right. And so the action is one of the actions either of the location you move to. You can always attack the port that you move to because, you know, might as well raid everything. You're a pirate. Um, or you can attack another player. Um, so, I mean, on a base, it's, it's very simple because it's always move and then do something. Uh, but there's a lot of different things you can be doing. And uh, those... Uh, sorry, I've lost my... Th- well, I was going to just jump in and say, like, you know, on a on very broadly speaking, you know, the players are basically racing to get to 10 points of notoriety. That's their, their overarching goal. And there are many ways to do that. Zach kind of sort of touched on some of those options. But, you know, you can you get notoriety from going on ventures. You get notoriety from finding relics. You get notoriety from defeating boss monsters, potentially from raiding ports, from finding legendary crew, from upgrading your ship. Uh, so and that's part of the key thing to the sandbox style of the game is all the actions can potentially uh, gain you notoriety and so the players can choose what play style really fits them if they want to be a relic hunter if they just want to focus on the stories if they don't care about stories or narrative at all i mean you you're breaking my heart but that is totally a valid a valid play style and you can do that you can just play the miniature game and uh, beat up on the other players uh that's that's up to you you can even through adventures, you can align with the factions on the board and be like, hey, you know what? This Dread Tide, I kind of like what they're about. They want to infest the Caribbean and make everyone yeah. become an yeah. undead minion. That sounds great. That's actually what I've always wanted. I'm going to find a way to work with them, make that happen. And then you win if they win. One of the things about the sea being so big is that you can go for weeks. And I mean weeks. I'm not very good at counting past seven, but it's a long time. And sometimes you can go for weeks without seeing another soul. In the fact, it can be very poorly having to speak to your same crew again and again and again. 
And one of the things I notice when we pass the time and we're playing some games on a smaller playing count is that you can end up, even though you're sharing the same sea, you can very rarely interact with somebody else. In Sea of Legends, do you do you allow people to do what they want or do you push interaction? Are people going to feel like they're playing on the same board, oh, absolutely. but they're not playing the same game? Or, or are you encouraging them to get in with each other and cutless folk in the face and cut legs off and feed yeah. folk to the sharks and get them doing pretty pictures? So one of our main goals was to encourage interaction. Um, one of the things yes. we wanted to make sure was that our only point of interaction wasn't attacking each other. I've played many, many games where we don't attack each other, but we still interact through other mechanisms in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. The biggest one is uh, after each round, one person will be moving all of the NPCs on the board. Right. And so I'm making decisions that are going to directly affect you by where I'm moving the NPCs, right? Then uh, the other point is those NPCs also have a chance of winning. And so when they get close to, right. close to winning, and mm-hmm. both players if they're not allied with either group, we'll be like, how can we think about your NPC turn together to prevent the, the group, uh, the NPCs from winning right now. And so it, when the NPCs get close to winning, it almost starts to feel like a game of pandemic where you're, you're puzzle solving together as the table to try to give yes. yourself as pirates, another couple of rounds to, to gain victory points. And so it has this really fun ebb and flow of, Hey, we're almost playing co- cooperatively these three rounds and then it's back to I'm, you know, just trying to race you to as much notoriety as possible, you know. In terms of um, moving on to the campaign and the Kickstarter, which is coming up, I have very often made a man walk a plank who has had Kickstarter exclusives because I don't like them. When you're planning out a Kickstarter strategy nowadays, you have to almost kind of be offering some of the treasure, but not all of the treasure. And sometimes you're offering all of the treasure on day one, plus some extra treasure, or some extra treasure further down the line. Is that also something that you've had to kind of put your heads together and say, well, what's our Kickstarter strategy to be? Because all are valid, including like the first day's exclusives. I completely understand why people do that and do Kickstarter exclusives as well and optional buys. But again, is that something that you've had to sit down and decide and say, right, funding is important, but how do we get to funding? So... So uh real real quick i was gonna say like i mean for us like we're you know we're a new company so i think we we didn't want to Mm. uh make things more difficult or harder for people to get a hold on in terms of like getting their hands on the game getting their hands on the pieces and like from a a personal aspect i think we like really simple sort of clean uh easy to read easy to understand kickstarters that really appealed a lot to us um happy to say there are no kickstarter exclusives Back this game. <laughs> so there we go. So something you should know though is even though there's no Kickstarter exclusives, we're not intending to go to retail because the, the margins are too thin. We will continue to sell it direct to consumer after the Kickstarter though. Don't back this no! game. <laughs> Dang. Don't you don't you hate it when you just tell the truth and it backfires on you like that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, the other thing is, when you go to sea, 
you can go about and you can steal, and you can start off in a canoe, and it takes a long time to go off in a canoe and steal stuff until you can steal enough stuff so you can buy a boat. Mm-hmm. And then it takes more time to move up from a boat because you've got to steal even more stuff. When you've gone into Kickstarter and gone for your campaign, have you had to raid the treasure chest you already had in order to start funding the game before you went to Kickstarter? Have you found you've had to reach into your back pockets a lot yeah. in order to get things going in the first place? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's It's been a, a pretty expensive path. Uh, so, I mean, right. we, we were lucky enough to uh, to get a good amount of funding all the way uh, to afford doing all the sculpts beforehand, yeah. all of the arts done. So our goal was by the time we get to Kickstarter, all of that pre-production is done. The only thing that is post-Kickstarter uh, is the actual manufacturing. Um, okay. And so uh, we're... Um, I mean, they still have to do the tooling in the in the factories, but I'm counting that as part of, part of manufacturing. So all of that kind of prepaid was already paid for. So it's been not the cheapest, but I think it'll be well worth it because it'll mean it's much faster getting back to backers. You know, um, once once we fund. Um, Ryan, sir, in terms of um, speaking to people who do previews. Previews. Have you had to limit the amount of people that have actually been able to get previews copies sent to them? Because I can understand you've got, you know, minis and you've got a big board and stuff like that. Have you had to be quite choosy with the way you approach the market with actually asking people for previews? Have you gone down the magical route of the genie and the simulator? Uh, yes and no. Uh, so we right. do we do right. have limited copies and the copies you know are, are pretty expensive to create so we've had to be a little strategic yes. with our allocation and like uh-huh. handing stuff off uh-huh. and be like okay we're gonna put you in our first wave and then you know we'll give you we'll we'll pay for the shipping and stuff so you can send it off to the next person um so right. we've had to we right. had to had to plan that um but we you know we have really tried to accommodate basically everyone who is interested in working with us that made sense and like you know fit, fit within budget and stuff all that all that good uh stuff but you know i think i would love to get to a point where we like are just like absolutely slammed and like everyone's beating down the door and demanding a copy of our games i don't think we're quite there yet but that's that's a good (laughs) see we asked and you said no so there you go i'm not bringing that up in public but i am bringing it i'm only joking that never happened at all but anyway um the other (laughs) Look at that, he was getting a bit unweary. I like to get them on, you know, he's he's looking a bit unsettled now, which is always quite good. That's fine, Mr. Shapples. Um but you have gone down the way of the magical route of the tabletop simulator, have you not? No, we have not messed with tabletop simulator. Uh, Did you all. not? Oh right. It, uh, you're not technical enough then you're good at writing stories but you're no good at putting things on an electronic board then no you know there's there's some technical know-how we've unfortunately been forced to learn by working with this app we have uh we've learned a couple things uh but i th- yes. think for the scope and like the rapid mm-hmm. sort of like iteration of this project and like how much of it does rely on like the physical experience around the board it just didn't it didn't quite make sense and like at the end of the day right. it's like we're right. we're 
we're just two guys basically uh yeah. is what this, yeah. this company comes down to and so we're like we just don't have the bandwidth to do that i think i you know i wish we could have but you know the ship our canoe is only so big and tabletop simulator didn't fit in the canoe <laughs> it is a very tight canoe um obviously things cost money and if you are going to be buying or pledging as this pledging i don't pledge i just go in and take things don't i sometimes on okay i usually i'm quite per- quite polite i think but anyway if i wanted to pledge for a game and become a sea of legends how many shekels or doubloons or eyeballs is it going to cost me to be able to pledge for Sea of Legends? Have you decided that? Or are you still what mucking about with abacuses oh, um, and stuff like so that to get pricing, the final figures? Our base game will be about $100. We're still getting the game coded out, so we need to make sure our actual prices come in line. But the goal is to be in about $100 or 38 seashells or 12 eyeballs. Um, oh, wow. You did that math fast on the conversion rate. <laughs> I try. And then the uh, base game plus expansion will be our other tier. And so we're looking at about $150 okay. for okay. that one. And so like, just right. to give you an idea right. of like, uh, the goal would be for, for, you know, the base game with everything, you know, unlocked, we we're looking at, you know, uh, 30, oh gosh, I should remember this. This is important information, but uh, somewhere around 36 uh, miniatures and over 200 wow. cards. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, all sorts of uh, factions for you to play with. Uh, four factions uh, in the the base game with all the the content unlocked and everything. And each faction creates a completely different uh, game session, and you can mix and match them as they're going to change the stories you experience, the mm-hmm. the rare relics that you find, and the characters you encounter. You can you know find new uh, lovers and nemeses to to smooch and defeat. So you know you're like, hey, I want to romance. Um, some merfolk or some zombies, you know, that, that's, you know, that's what I'm thinking about when I choose my, <laughs> my factions in my game session, at least. <laughs> I've got this strange view of you going about graveyards now, trying to dig up girlfriends or oh, boyfriends no. or whatever, <laughs> just trying to be partners. <laughs> you just get the magic on it. Look. Get some lovely magic, raise them from the dead and then take them out to the cinema. What are we watching? A zombie flick. Oh, that's a bit uncomfortable. I'm going to have to break it off. Kind of thing. Um, Zach, was he right with the prices that he gave, or are they just complete hopscoggle? Unlike most things he said, those were accurate. Whew, got one right. <laughs> that's a damning indictment, if I've ever heard one in my life. <laughs> um... Yeah, so to add on to what Ryan was saying about the factions, one of the things we really cared about was yeah. the replayability. Um, yeah. And so with the factions, it, with all the stretch goals unlocked, and if you get the expansion, there'll, there'll be eight different ones. And every time you play, you can choose to play with just one, or you can pl- choose to play with any two. And when you choose the different two, they're going to in- interact differently, and it'll change okay. how the game plays out. Well, there you go. It just sounds better and better already. I'm just wondering whether I should pledge or I should maybe find out where you live and just get myself a copy. I won't hurt you. I won't touch you myself. I'll get somebody else to do it. I'm just too old to do all my dirty work anyway. Um, 
if there's two more things we need to do at the end, I think one of the most important things is you talk a good talk, Wiseman. You talk, you talk a good talk, Shapples. I'm just wondering what your pirate impressions are like. Because if you're talking about being a legend, now you don't want to hear any of your American talking. Do you want to hear my American accent? Y'all come back now you're here. So there you go. But, Mr. Wiseman, if you could give us your best pirate impression. Now, thank you. Your maze <laughs> come aboard now. Okay, that was terrible. Um, Ryan, do you think that you could maybe dig your can dig your colleague out of the horrific sea grave he has dug himself and maybe give us a better pirate impression? Yarg, why don't you sweep the poop deck, you dirty landlubber? That was more John Wayne than Johnny Depp. John Wayne, not known for his pirate films. <laughs> Not known for no, not known for the quiet man of the sea, you know, <laughs> or anything like that, you know, the the searchers of the dock and everything, you know, high chaparrali ally, everything along those lines. If people are interested in finding out, obviously not any more of your p- horrific pirate impressions and I might just have to come round and haul you to the queue later on but if people are interested in finding out a little bit more where would they hoist their flag to where can they find you on this now let me just I've got this written down because the wizard boy told me to write it um on the interweb nets where can we find you yeah so when you're pulling up your your nets uh, in the in the afternoon trying to you know see what your daily catch is you can find more about the game at seaoflegendsgame.com you can check us out on uh, instagram at guildhall studios twitter at guildhall studio and then on facebook guildhall studios as well so please uh, you know follow us on all those places so we can show you more cool things about the game uh, art previews and uh, other reveals did he get that right, Zach? Absolutely. He's he's better at that part than I am, so I'm just going to believe him. I'm the one who remembers that's things. That's, that's my that's one of my main main jobs. <laughs> there you Zach's go. Zach's had too much There rock. you go. If you want If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then you can also find us um usually up the old sea dog on a Wednesday night. But if you don't like to go down there with undesirables, you can always get yourself onto the internet webs and search for the We Are Not Wizards potato podcast and you will find us there. If you like... um, if you like what you have listened to tonight, apparently you can go to a fruity thing and you can leave us ratings or reviews and give us lots of stars as many stars as you can because otherwise i'll find you and i'll steal your washing um all the other thing you can do is you can cross our palm with silver i don't know where that's coming from you can go to our patreon because you can give us money there as well because we like treasure (laughs) oh the other thing (laughs) but at the end but at the end of the day there is only two more things to do and the first thing is to say thank you very, very much to the wonderful, fantastic Ryan Chapels and to the bearded facial wonder that is Zach Wiseman. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming on.
thank you so much, Richard, for having us. Um, and I hope I didn't just out your real identity. No, it, it's 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 fine. I can edit this bit out. <laughs> also, I I should say uh, we're coming to Kickstarter March thirty thirty first, so that yes. is probably yes. important information for folks to know if this sounds like a game uh, they want to get their hands on. And depending, you can either back it or don't back it, depending on which one of the two you like. Yeah, exactly. Those are, those are <laughs> usually the options. <laughs> If we get a vote, only a couple. Sorry, if we get a vote, we're gonna say uh, you should back it. Uh, (laughs) That's preferred. Yeah, that would be a wise thing to do. The most important thing to remember is that we're many things, but we're not pirates. Are we pirates, Zach? Apparently, we're horrible pirates. We are horrible, terrible pirates. You, you, that yes, yes, you know. You should have, you know, you should have taken Ryan's view and said, because we are, <laughs> because that would have been timely and funny. Um, we are I neither can only of those bid things. You thank- <laughs> Stop it. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for coming on the ship. I hope you have thoroughly enjoyed yourself. I know I have. My throat is completely destroyed. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The way we're going to finish this off is that Ryan is going to sing us a sea shanty. Oh, no. Aren't you, Ryan? Oh, no. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. You just have to say goodbye. I don't think that people deserve to hear your dulcet tones just yet. So if you say goodbye, Ryan. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, next time we're on dulcet tones for sure, though. <laughs> don't promise what you can't That's deliver. Right, I don't know. And if you... <laughs> And if it's a goodbye from Zach, if you could say goodbye, Zach. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. And it's a goodbye from us. Remember, stay safe if you're not on the sea. Roll sixes, but knuckles will do. And make something awful out of another man's entrails. But until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.